Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. So here's an interesting fact for you. Did you know that in Manila, it is illegal for boys here to be touching the collar whilst attending school? I mean, a random legal requirement, right? Sometimes it may feel like what we do in the hair and beauty industry is for purely cosmetic reasons only, but in actual fact, the services we do can be so incredibly vital in so many other ways that we don't even always think about. Now in this podcast episode, I'm chatting with Selena. Now she's the CEO of HairAid. HairAid is an organization who sends hairdressers to developing countries to uh, impart the skills, incredibly useful knowledge that we have as how to cut hair, not only for their own families, but also for others in return for food, supplies or money as a micro business. The volunteers are hairdressers like yourself who take this as an opportunity to give back to their own communities, to the hair and beauty world and those abroad who are in need. So tune in to hear more about HairAid and how you can get involved in this truly amazing cause. Let's meet Selena. Selena, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I truly appreciate the time and it's wonderful to share this time with your listeners. Um, I am excited to hear your story, um, but for those that don't know who you are and where you come from, let's start with uh, where are you in the world? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about um, Selena. Okay, so I'm in the beautiful space of Queensland, Australia, and I live right in the heart of the city in Brisbane. So it's a really nice place to be. Lots of action and activity and a, a really great way to meet new people and networks. I really enjoy living in Brisbane. Um, and a little bit about me. I'm, I'm firstly going to have to make a confession. I hope this is okay, but <laughs> I'm not a hairdresser. I'm actually a university lecturer and I teach business at QUT and UQ here in Australia. So that's a little bit of a, like a bit of an affront to start the um, whole interview with. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm not a, I'm not a hairdresser, but I do. Um, run Hair Aid. I'm the CEO and founder of it and we're nearly 10 years old. So a lot of my life in the last 10 years has been obviously around family and friends. I've got four beautiful granddaughters and um, a loving husband who keeps me um, occupied but I'm not occupied with my own work in Hair Aid. Awesome. So I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing your story about HairAid and um, what got you started from university lecturer to HairAid CEO. Um, take us through that journey and tell us a little bit about what is the purpose of HairAid? Sure. So first of all, HairAid um, does two fundamental things. We send qualified hairdressers from around the world and we send them to developing countries. Countries like Manila, Thailand, Cambodia, um, the Philippines, Indonesia, 
And we work with groups who support people that are living in critical poverty. So people that are live on the streets, in the slums, women that have been rescued from the sex trade, the drug gangs or the mafia. And what we do is we've got this great program that's been developed by hairdressers that we can teach them five basic haircuts. And with those five basic haircuts, we give them a donation of a scissor kit. So they have to complete the five days training with us. We give them a very basic toolkit with a pair of scissors, four section clips, a cape and a comb. And they can start their own micro business with the skill and the tools. And they can start their own micro business and change their, their current situation, find a pathway out of poverty or a, a new life earning money away in which is safer than what they'd probably have been in before. So that's one of the things Hair Aid does. The other thing that Hair Aid does is we have Hair Aid Community Cuts. Now, that acronym for that is HACCS. H-A-C-C. <laughs> I, I, I made that up all by myself. Uh, <laughs> not really. It just, it just sort of came out that way. So it's, it's a crazy acronym for a haircut. But Community Cuts is all about volunteer hairdressers from all around Australia and New Zealand working with organisations that are already supporting people in need in our own communities, in our own backyards. And we have... 66 volunteer teams around Australia and New Zealand. And they go and they work with these organizations every six weeks. They donate two hours of their time and they provide free haircuts to people in need. So that's our two fundamental things that Hair Aid does. I love that. That's really great. So how did you get to what, what sparked the start of this? Well, it's the best story ever, and I love sharing it. Um, my husband and I were traveling just ourselves on a holiday now 10 years ago, and we were in the Philippines. And the last night before we were due to come home, my husband said to me, gee, I'd love to watch the footy. I hope my team's playing. Let's find a pub and we'll grab a cold beer and watch the footy. And I went, fabulous. So we Googled Australian pubs in Metro Manila, and we came across this one called Swagman's Pub. They're so ocker. Came complete with a stuffed crocodile on the wall and they served Vegemite toast. <laughs> so we've rocked into this pub and unfortunately for my husband, his uh, footy team wasn't playing. So we were quite happy sitting there having a beer and two ladies walked in. One was Canadian and one was Australian. So me, I'm going to have a chat. I'll talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. I love hearing people's stories. So I said to the Canadian lady, what do you do here? Do you live here? Do you work here? And she said to me, I'm an academic and I teach at university, which was such a bizarre coincidence because that's what I do. And we actually taught the same subjects. So we had a beautiful conversation. And then I said to the other lady who was Australian, what do you do? And she said, I work for an organization that collects the children that have been left in the street because their parents are too poor to feed them and they're going to die. Oh, golly. And I went, right, mm -hmm. so you work for an orphanage? And she said, no, we're a bit different to that. What we do is we look after the children 
And once they're safe, they look after, they feed them and they give them a new set of clothes, clean clothes, and they delouse them and look after any immediate uh, medical needs the child might have. But when the child's settled down, they talk to them and they find out their parent's name and they go back to the province and they reconnect the child with the family. And I thought to myself, that's lovely, except won't you just be picking that kid up again in six months' time? Mm. And I said that to her and she said, well, what we do is we try and give the parents a livelihood skill and if they can create their own micro-business, then they can earn money, buy food, and keep their children with them and alive. Mm. And I thought, you know, I've, I've got three kids and, you know, they're all grown up now, but I've got three children and I'd hate to line them up and choose which one I was going to leave in the street and hope that a charity or an NGO or an orphanage would get them before the drug runners, before the prostitution gangs, before the, you know, the drug mules or the child trafficking people. You know, what a horrible situation to be in. And so I said, how can I help you? What, what do you what's, how do you get these people jobs? Now, I've got to share this bit because this is the fun bit of the conversation. <laughs> it turns out that these two beautiful ladies were actually nuns and they'd snuck into the pub for the same reason we had, the Australian sister Kate she followed AFL and so she went into, she was in the pub having a beer and watching her favourite team from Australia and her friend Claudia, sister Claudia, was with her. So the beginning of Hair Aid is um, two nuns walked into a bar <laughs> and now Selena runs Hair Aid. But we didn't start with hair either. So look at that. I'm not a hairdresser and I didn't even start with hair, but here we are talking about Hair Aid. When I said to Sister Kate, how do, you, how do you get them jobs? Like we've seen the poverty that's over there. It's insane. And she said, we're no good at it, but we'd love to start a sewing centre. Now, crazy as all these coincidences are, in a previous life before I was teaching at university, I was an interior decorator and I own a soft furnishing store and I had 15 plus workers and a workroom and a workshop and I know how to sew and I can run industrial machines. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I can do that. I can help you with that. So I came back to the university that I was teaching at and I said to my university students, you know, you all complain to me that you're here for three years or four years getting your degree and then you've got all this great knowledge. But when you go out to job interviews, the first thing they say to you is, what experience do you have? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get some experience. I'm going to open this. I'm going to set up this sewing centre. Come with me. Get some experience. Open a business. And so we did. Eight months later, myself and my husband three university students and two seamstresses went back with six donated sewing machines, a big pile of fabric, enthusiasm and passion, and we taught 17 people how to sew. Those wow, that is so cool. It's so cool, yeah. 17 families could then create a business for themselves. So I said to Brother Luke, who was the organiser of the, the centre where the two nuns, you know, were associated with. I said, would you like me to do that again? And he said, yes. So we did. The next year we went back. 
we trained possibly around 25 people that year. And I, I could just see the need that was there. Mm. And so I said to the sisters and, and brother Luke, what else do you need? What, what, you know, there must be more we can be doing. And he said, English lessons. And I said, oh, well, that's easy. We can all speak English and we can do that while we're doing other stuff. What else? And he said, haircutting. Here's a, here's a really interesting fact. In Manila, in the Philippines, it's illegal for boys to go to school if their hair touches their colour. I said colour then, collar. <laughs> I way know what you meant. <laughs> way too early to be drinking. Sorry. <laughs> and and all students must have regulation haircuts. And there's five basic regulation haircuts, which is a straight cut, a fringe, a men's cut. And so teaching people how to cut hair means a number of things. One, they can keep their own children in school. Can you imagine mm. having not even 10 cents to buy rice to feed your family, but having to pay 20 cents for a haircut over there to keep your child in school? Which one do you choose? Mm. Yes. And so, um, and, but not only can they cut their own children's hair, they can cut hair in their community. They can exchange that service for food or money. They can, they can help the elderly or they can just cut hair, create a micro business and increase their income tenfold. Mm. So it's amazing. So I'm not a hairdresser, but you know, I, I pretty much just say yes when people ask for help. So I came back to Australia and I put a small media piece in the local newspaper and I've just been overwhelmed and so honored and grateful for the last nine and a half years, hairdressers, firstly from Australia, have just put their hand up and said, Selena, we'd love to help. So we've just finished our 25th international project. We've trained, we're either just about to train our 5,000th trainee in, the, in about four weeks' time when we head to Cambodia. So nearly 5,000 people. And they've got, you know, that opportunity to create a micro-business and immediately change their life. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And um, isn't I just love that the stars align and the right people walk into the bar at the right time to make such a big difference. It's huge. And and the, the best thing about it is I still see Sister Kate and Sister Claudia when I go back there. We, we, meet, we don't meet at the pub anymore. We've all grown up. <laughs> so, um, but it was funny because Sister Kate, who's the... Um, Australian, she'd said to me um, afterwards, after a few years, she said, two things really strange happened is one, we never tell anyone we're nuns, never. Obviously they weren't in their, weren't in their nun gear. Um, and she said, we never, we never tell anybody when we're out like that. And then she said to me, so don't tell anyone you found us in the pub. Which <laughs> I tell everybody now, she knows that. <laughs> and the, the other thing was, is that, um, she said, we, yeah, we never say that we were nuns. And she said, we never expected to see you again. She said, because we talk to people all the time. You know, we're always running into people, whether it's just on their daily tasks through Manila and the Philippines. And we talk to people all the time and they all go, oh, that's amazing what you do. You know, oh, we'd love to help you. 
but no one follows through. And she said, mm. you're the first person, Millie, that has followed through. And it's amazing. And what we've created now is is fabulous. And, um, you know, it's it's just wonderful. So, yeah, it still blows me away a little bit that, you know, Sister Claudia taught at university and that gave us that opening, that connection and mm. they were there on that day. But, of course, you know, um, when we go back now, we just meet in Starbucks. I just want to clarify that. Right. <laughs> Meet at Starbucks and enjoy a cool, crisp uh, frappuccino. <laughs> now tell me, there's a missing uh, loop that needs to be closed. What happened to the sewing? Is that still part of the journey? Are they? Are you still teaching that? We do it when it's requested. Right. So we actually set up this sewing centre and the Filipinos have a beautiful culture where they give back constantly. So we went there for a few years. We did the sewing for about four years. But now the people that we have taught, they train the people in their location. Uh Mm -hmm. They've all gone on to do amazing things. One of our ladies, she's created her own business back in her own province and she employs something like 12 ladies. She's bought herself five industrial machines and she has the contract to sew the local school uniforms. Incredible stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, so so the sewing is like self-sufficient now. And it's something that we're trying to get hair aid to be. Um, We recently held a global cut-a-thon around the world and we asked salons to donate one of their Sundays and cut hair for free and donate the money to hair aid. With those funds, we are going to be able to open our very first hair aid training salon in Manila on a permanent basis. So eventually they won't need us. Mm. And that's Mm. what we're trying to do. We're trying to give the skills and empower the community um, so that, you know, they can take over and they can take control for them, themselves, their community, Mm. their own future, their own destiny. Mind you, once we have it set up in Quezon City, there's another 19 provinces in the Philippines that are after us. And we'll be able to use that model there. So it's great. Amazing. I love it. I love that story. And so what is it that you need now? Like what do you need from the industry? How can this audience that are listening and tuning in, what do you need from them? Right. Well, you know, there's a number of ways people can help. First and foremost, I'm not a hairdresser, so I can't teach these five basic cuts. So I need hairdressers to come on a project. Now you have to be self-funded but we are a charity, so you can fundraise for that. We go on seven different international projects a year. So anyone who's sitting there and going, you know what, I've always wanted to do this, or this is my way of giving back, or it's my time now, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you on the team. In January in 2020, we're starting our very first barbering-specific course. So we'll still be teaching five basic haircuts in certain locations, but the ones that we've taught before, we're going to bring them back and we're just going to teach them barbering techniques. So hairdressers, get on board. Barbers, get on board. And we teach manicure and pedicure. So if we have people that are in the beauty industry and would love to come and help us do that, we definitely would love to help you there. Amazing. 
Well, I love your story. I love that it's supporting people who are truly in need um, and it's really brought a community together um, in Australia. So um, please, if you're listening and something about Selena's story has inspired you, reach out to her. Yeah, and we understand too that many people can't, you know, commit to a project. It's, you know, a week of their life and we all have our own obligations, children, work, sporting, elderly parents, lots of different things. If you want to sponsor a scissor kit, it's $50. You can go to our webpage, all the W's, hairaid.org.au, and sponsor a scissor kit. $50 changes somebody's life and it goes directly to that person. There's no middleman. We take that money, we buy the kit, and we hand it to the person. It's um, it's a direct um, benefit to them. So there's you know there's that way of get, being able to get involved as well. Very cool. All right. So uh, please tell me what is a quote or a mantra that you live by, Selena, that you can share with us. Oh, okay. Well, there's 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 two. I, I, I love Nikes. I always borrow that. Just do it. Yep. Like seriously, if there's anything you want to do in life, just do it. Just agree. What, what, whatever those barriers are, whatever excuses you're giving yourself, yeah, no, put them aside and just do it. And then I've got this other one I love, and I, I probably won't say it word for word, so I'll apologise to the creator of it immediately, but it's um, a saying that says um, people who are crazy enough to think they ch can change the world probably are. I'm not sure whether that means we are crazy or we are changing the world, but I think that sort of goes very much, you know, with me. You know, I'm crazy enough to think that we can make a difference. I believe it. I see it. I feel it. I watch it. And you know what? If everybody just did something in their community, I don't care whether it's to do with hair, go and volunteer at your soccer club, go and help at the tuck shop, go and help at the library, mow someone else's back lawn that you know has got, got a broken leg do something the world's got to, got to be a better place for it amazing well it's uh, an inspiring story a fun story um yeah. and so i'm really pleased to have you um come and share that with us and i hope you get a lot of support and continue doing what you're doing and i guess i can see you know as it evolves there's always more things in wider spread that um you know more things that need to be done so um so well done i think it's thank great you. thank you well it's because of everybody um not one person can take kudos for hair aid there's a thousand volunteers that have helped over the last year uh, 10 years and each and every one of us belongs to the hair aid family and that's what creates such a beautiful space to be involved in yeah for sure and kudos to you for jfdi and taking that one conversation and uh just doing it and yes. like like she said you know lots she has lots of conversations but it just takes one crazy one to take the action and and, and do it yep that's me <laughs> that's you all right well thank you so much for joining us um i really appreciate having you on the show Oh, you're welcome and thanks very much. And I hope everybody's day is, is magnificent. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, Selena, for joining me today. I really appreciate everything that you do and that Hair8 uh, does because it certainly is needed and it's really nice to see people making a change in the world. So I think it's important in life to use the skills that we're blessed with or that we've worked hard for, right, and give back. And we're so fortunate to be able to have learned an amazing skill 
um, and some aren't so lucky. So I guess that's why foundations like Hair Aid are so great, and I'm pleased to have you on the podcast. So thanks again, Selena. Meanwhile, I'm super excited because we are working on a new exciting updated strategy for my messenger marketing product, Salon Bot. And I'm more than excited to showcase this to the hair and beauty world, our latest strategy. A strategy that finds potential new clients, introduces them to your brand in a really personal way through the connection point of a private chat in Messenger. So not only are some salons inundated with PMs, private chats and messenger, keeping them up late at night, long after a long day in the salon, you've been on your feet for 12 hours, and now when you get home, you've got a full inbox just to get you know, to get through to make sure you get those clients booked in. Not only that, they've been waiting all day to get for you to get back to them. And we know when we keep clients waiting in Messenger, it's too late. So I'm excited to be able to offer um, a clear strategy, not only to solve the inbox problem, but a clear strategy to create real connections with potential clients who might make their first time inquiry with us and lead the right type of client, not the dollar deal, dollar deal voucher vultures, um, the right client, lead them to choose you as their next service provider. And we're seeing real conversions, like real clients making these choices, conversion rates on average across the more than 40 salons that we work with, um, on average, it's around 76%. That's pretty amazing, just through the power of a personal chat. Now, the best part of that personal chat is that 80% or more of it is automated, meaning that when you get home after a long day on the floor, you can sit on the couch and have a wine, spend the time with, the, with your family, quality time with them, and not have to answer 25 messages that you've kept waiting all day long. So watch this space. There will be more on this being released over the next few weeks. So I invite you to come and join the Salon Marketing Collective group. Now, this is a private Facebook group for hair and beauty salon owners only. And we talk about strategies just like this and um, reach out if you want to know more about Salon Bot. But first, come and join the group. I would love to chat to you. And there's lots of information about this new stra uh, strategy that we're releasing and the constantly evolving um, strategies, algorithms, and rules around Facebook and Messenger marketing. So I look forward to seeing you in the group and thanks for joining me today. And I'll see you again on the podcast next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.